I can hear your dulcet tones very clearly now. Uh, dulcet tones. Uh... What's happening? I think Jack Bauer's going to come and get you if you just dinged his call there, oh, by the way. No, I didn't hear that. <laughs> 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 Amateur. Ah, no, shocking. An hour and a half, there was about 11 minutes of shite at the start, so that'll be all right. <laughs> just 11 minutes of shite. <laughs> <laughs> an intimate... An, 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 an intimate... Can't even say it. No. The stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Manchester, place your Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the iReady podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Derek, and with me is my co host, Dave. How are you doing, Dave? I'm very well, Derek. How's yourself? I'm not bad. It feels as if we've shat the bed tonight because, you know, that's a week since we've done the last podcast. What's happening? That's quite scary for us, isn't it? It's usually <laughs> at least a month, six weeks in between because because we've got two, two games to talk about, Derek, but the two games we're talking about, I think we've got a lot to talk about in those two games, haven't we? Yes, it's probably the worst game we've ever played in the last two yes. years and arguably one of the best games exactly. we've played in the last two years. Yes, so couldn't, couldn't get much more chalk and cheese right there. No, definitely not. Yes. So, without further ado, we'll go down the tunnel and onto the pitch. So before we kick off anything, obviously just to round out the transfers, uh, unfortunately after the excitement of Aaron Ramsey signing on deadline day, there was no further signings. So we had our fill, I thought that was that was pretty good anyway. The only disappointing thing was that Morelis again was not even on the bench for Colombia over the course of that period as well. You know, it's Colombia's prerogative, I think there's something like they can name a 23-man squad but only 18 of them are named for the actual, between the, the first 11 and the bench. It's disgraceful and completely disrespectful to drag uh, an important player like that halfway across the world and not even have him on the bench. I hope Rangers and even Morelis himself are having a word with the Colombia squad just now. I don't know how how it works, Derek. I've been, you know, I I saw a lot on social media. We should be recalling them straight away and things like that, but apparently there would be heavy penalties imposed if you do things like that. I... It's extremely disappointing for us, as we'll get into the comparison of the two games when he plays and when he doesn't play, Derek. You know how much I think of him. I wax lyrical about him almost every single pod. I love the guy to bits. I think he's by far our best player. He's just he's, he's phenomenal. And just even for him, Derek, just the recognition for him to say that he was in, you know, even on the bench for one of the games, you know, considering how, how well he's been playing, it must be really frustrating for him. And as I say, it's certainly frustrating for us and it must be even more frustrating for the likes of Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. But uh, aye, like I said, it's it, it's something I, I don't know what we can do in the future. I don't know if any meetings, you know, can go, but it's just really, really disappointing for, for us all, you know, all, all, all parties involved, the fact that he had to go, especially with the games that he missed, Derek. Yeah, so... Unfortunately, we need to cover this game, Dave. But the first game was Wednesday the 2nd of February. It was a 3-0 loss away to Celtic in the Premiership. 
Now, a lot of expectation. To be honest, I would have taken a draw straight away. I think all my mates were like that. I don't know about you, Dave. I've always liked being the kind of underdog. We were certainly not the favourites, I would have said, because Celtic were finding a run of form. We were, you know, stuttering. We had a couple of draws. Our poor form after the winter break continued. It was, Derek. I have been taking this arrogant approach to it, which I really shouldn't. You know, the, the, the arrogance of... We're the champions, we're going there, it's them that really need to step up and play against us, it's us that need to go and show a sort of never-say-die attitude, and I really, really was hopeful, Derek, that we were going to actually win. Like you, I thought, you know, a draw would be a, a, a good result, it never could cross my mind, I honestly thought that we were going to nick it, I thought that they would have the bulk of the ball. But I honestly thought they would be able to stand strong because I've been trying to convince myself this whole time that they're not actually that good. But unfortunately, as you're about to get into Derek, they've probably had the best game that they've played and we just completely collapsed. Yeah. So... A few hours before the game, obviously the team bus left from Ibrox and Rangers fans turned up a good few hundred, I think, and gave them a great send-off of fireworks and chanting and everything like that. There was even flares on the motorway overbridge as the bus passed. They should have taken that as inspiration, but could it have spooked them at all? I don't know, Derek. Well, we'll get into it. I'll give you my thoughts once you've given us your review of the game. So uh, it was one change from the Ross County game and it was Roof in for written. So I don't think any fans would have been disappointed at that one. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Bassey, Goldson, Barisic, Kamara, Arfield, Aribo, Ken, Ahmad and Roof. On the subs bench were McLaughlin, Balogun, Lundstrom, Jack, Davis, Sands, Lowry, Itton and Sakala. Now, again, absolutely no grumbles at all on <laughs> social media with that team lineup. We all thought that's an attacking team. That's great. We'll go there. We'll do the job. The one thing I would say, Derek, personally, as soon as I saw that Balogun was fit, I thought, I think I would like to see Balogun back at centre-half. That that was my only... The rest of the team I had no issues with on paper, but I genuinely thought that maybe Balogun back in for experience, for considering how well he played against them at Ibrox, I thought he would be back in. But as you say... At the time, on paper, a very attacking team. And, you know, we thought to ourselves, this is a team that will go on and get goals in this game. Yeah. However, the first half, shambolic. There was no other way to describe that at all. It started bad and just got worse. The passing was woeful, bar a few wee spells of good, close, quick passing. But Celtic played very, very well. Quick, incise passing, getting forward, pressing all the time, having two players on us every time we broke forward. However, we just played right into their game by not doing the basics of defending. We created acres of space for them and didn't mark up at all. And really, it started off bad, as I said, because in the fifth minute, Celtic got their first goal. There was a corner in from the right, a clash between Aribo and Bassey. Bassey stayed down. At the same time, the ball was cleared out, but only to the edge of the box on the left for Hitati to have a shot into the net past the dive of McGregor. Really poor defending all round. There was discussions with the linesman and the referee. We can only guess and assume that it was regarding our player, the fact that he was down all that time. It wasn't clear that it was a head knock. It was two of our players that collided with each other. Not an excuse because we still should have played to the whistle and defended and done the basics there. But surely the referee's got to stop the play at that point. That's what we thought, Derek. That's what all the Rangers players thought, but it didn't happen, did it? You know, it broke to him at the edge of the box with acres of space, hits his shot, takes a slight deflection, but just a very slight one, and past McGregor. As you say, the whole of the Rangers team stopped. I get what you're saying, Derek, but what's the first law? What's the first thing that you always say? You play to the referee's whistle. 
do, do you know what I mean? So there's no excuses there for me at all. Whether we thought there should have been some some dirty check them, regardless, the referee didn't blow the whistle. We all stopped. They didn't. They scored really, really poor stuff. I mean, I don't think it would have affected the outcome of the game at all because we just weren't up for it right from minute one in the game. But how much shithousery would that have been if he had chopped the goal off, given the fact that no Rangers <laughs> fans were in the in the stadium and all that? That would have been amazing, but not to be. No. We did start to regain possession a wee bit after that, but it was really short-lived because on the 15th minute, there was a for fuck's sake Tav moment because the ball, ball was played down our left side. Tavenier gets it, but tries to play a quick inwards pass it was shockingly short and it kind of yep. summed up his game to be honest that night allows Jota to get the ball a quick shot from the left into the box forced McGregor to make a good save rebounded out and another shot another good save and eventually cleared just I don't know what Tavernier was thinking playing a shit inwards pass yep. like that not even any pace at all and then McGregor had to save us twice in that occasion yeah. there yep. out of nothing 18th minute, was another chance from Celtic, a quick incisive move down the right by Celtic, cutting through our defence, gets the ball on the inside of the box in the middle for the attacker to have a shot and another great save from McGregor out for the corner. So there's three saves in the space of three minutes there yeah. that is, is saved it from being probably 3-0 there. Yeah, d- definitely. And I think it was at that moment, Derek, that Celtic kind of figured out that that was the way he punish us. It wasn't to go through the middle. It wasn't to put high balls in, in, into the box. It was to attack our, our full-backs. And probably, as you say, one of the worst games that Tavs had been certainly, definitely one of the worst first halves I've ever seen. But Barisic play, Derek, he just looked all over the place. He didn't look assured in the slightest. He didn't look anything like the player that we signed a couple of seasons ago or played last season. It was just, you know, every single time that Celtic broke down that right-hand side for that point, you thought that they were going to be an own goal, didn't you? Yeah, 33rd minute we at least had a shot on target Kent had a trundling shot well outside of the box that was an easy take for the keeper 34th minute Celtic had a claim for a penalty where Bassey was claimed to have bundled over their attacker Bassey did have his hand on him but no chance that was enough to make him fall like he did so it was a correct decision there yeah our best chance, though, came on the 41st minute. It was a lovely pass as a play. Quick, incisive passing around the box, ending in a fantastic through ball on goal for Arfield in space. Hart was alert and he dived to the feet of Arfield to get the ball just before him there. Had the ball maybe been played a slight touch less pace or slightly more to the side, Arfield would have been in there to at least round the keeper or at the very least potentially get taken out by the keeper. So unlucky that there. However, in typical fashion, a minute later, Celtic went up the park and scored to make it 2-0. It was basically right up the park from that play, down the left, cut inside with Chris passing, so much space for them, and Hatati gets the ball on the edge of the box and hits a shot into the bottom right of the corner past the dive of McGregor. You know, it was a long way out. McGregor arguably could have done better there yep. because his positioning was way off, I felt. It was, Derek. I said exactly the same thing. I'm not going to... I'm not going to just put put the blame on on McGregor because there wasn't one player at that point in the team that get any kind of pass marks. But going by what we know that McGregor can do, it looked to me as if he'd maybe could have done bit better on that because it was certainly it was at his near post, and uh, you know he's he's not usually beaten, you know, with goals like that. So I he's got to put his hands up for that one as well, but. You know, before that, it was very easy for, for them to break right down the field, Derek, because the amount of space that we were leaving between the midfield and the defence 
was unbelievable and it was it, it looked very very easy for them I think that was the most disappointing part for me at that stage yeah well if disappointing was at that point then I don't know what you would call the next <sighs> point because two minutes later the game was completely put out of our reach because Celtic went 3-0 on the 44th minute and this was just utterly utterly shambolic and I'm going to highlight one player at the end of it here there was a throw in on the right to the player making a run nobody picking him up at all across into the box that finds a badder making a run nobody at all picking him up and he had a pretty much a simple tap into the back of the net and Abada's job was made so much easier because even before he received the ball, Barisic was about three, four yards behind him. And before Abada received the ball, Barisic stopped and just sat down. He sat down. Yep, yep. And if and I never noticed it at the time, but one of the goals, I think it was the third goal as well against Ross County, he'd done the exact same thing. He just squatted down, he sat down. I do not know what he was thinking there. He maybe wasn't he going to get to it, but you don't just stop and sit down like that. Yeah, it was it was poor Derek. It was it was a sort of give up moment, wasn't it? It was as if it was that sort of realization that there was somebody behind him. He didn't have a clue where the player was, and as soon as he just got one yard past him, it was like, oh fuck it. And he just gave up. That, to me, is just absolutely shambolic. I said it just a minute ago, probably the worst game I've seen Barisic play for Rangers. He could not do anything right in the game whatsoever. And I, we were kind of praising him a few weeks ago or before the break, Derek, where we were saying that it looked as if his role in the team had changed because he wasn't getting down the wing as much. He wasn't put, putting in as many crosses. But defensively, he actually looked a good bit more solid. He was t- tucking inside to help out the centre-halves. And we were giving him a wee bit of praise for that. And we thought that that's maybe you know the new role that had been put under by the new coaching staff. But it just completely lost him in, this, the, in, in, in that game, Derek, because he looked absolutely hapless. He really did. Yeah. So, I mean, given we know how Goldson feels about going into the break 3-0 down, really, I was only hoping us to not let Celtic score more. Maybe yeah. pull, pull a goal back early on and make a bit more respectable. But, you know, certainly we got a wee bit better, but we never managed to close that gap at all. There was a triple sub at half-time. Half Barisic, Kamara and Ahmad off. Jack, Balogun and Sakalo on. So certainly the right people who were ineffective in the game. Ahmad wasn't really his fault. Barisic, as we've said, has a shocker. Kamara, very quiet again. Yes. uh, And uncharacteristic of Kamara, giving the ball away so many times, Derek. I mean, I know a lot of the players did, but Glenn Kamara is a player that we rely on to keep a hold of the ball, isn't he? He's somebody who's, you know, is not wasteful with the ball at all. And again, even for a player like him, he just looked completely... It hurried every time he got the ball. I just, I, I, I don't know what, what what it was, Derek, but it just, it, it wasn't for for guys like him, you know, to come. And I think we just needed a wee, wee bit of grit in midfield, didn't we? And you know, I think going in as you're about to say, and into the second half, I know the game was over, but at least you know the guys that came on as substitutes kind of showed us that possibly they should have been starting the game rather than coming on as subs. But I'll, I'll, I'll let you get into it. Yeah, so it was certainly a better second half. 
we had a lot more possession. Celtic, as we expected, were blown out their arse. Now, I know I've had a lot of Celtic fans saying, well, tell me a time when Celtic were blown out their arse. Well, it was quite clearly, well, yeah, that part of it played into it. They knew the game was done as well, so they didn't need to go gung-ho like they were. But the fact that we had so much possession, we were creating more, we just were struggling to do anything with it. Now, we knew Celtic were going to do this because they've done it every game. Even the commentators were saying, yeah, that's what's happening because they've seen it time and time again. And granted, they played fantastic in that first half, blew us out of the water, and they haven't done it every single game. They've went gung-ho, but they've not always taken advantage of it and scored the goals. And that's so what's so frustrating is the fact that the game before, I think it was, they went gung-ho for the first 60 minutes and then fell off a cliff. And they struggled. They never scored any goals. And that was against Dundee United. And then they got a last-minute winner. Whereas us, they went gung-ho. And they cut through us like butter and managed to get the goals. So how can Dundee United keep a, a clean sheet up until a certain point and we just let them score? That's what was annoying with it. In the second half, though, as I said, we done better but we couldn't take advantage of it. And the 54th minute was a quick break down the right. Tavenier crosses on the deck, deflected off the defender and into the path of Arfield, who shoots it over the bar. 79th minute, Jack drives the ball forward and has a shot from distance, which cannons off the bar, back into play and cleared. That was certainly the best chance of the game for us, never mind the best chance of the half. 86th minute, uh, this is the last piece of play I've got here. There was a few other things that happened within the game. Nothing major, certainly from our point of view. It was if, if we did get any other shots, it was off target or easily taken by the keeper. Really, I think the only thing Celtic done in the second half was in the 86th minute. It was a cross-come shot from them, which ended up going goal-bound. was going to dip in, but McGregor had to do well to tip it over the bar. So even when Celtic get a half chance out of absolutely nothing, when they're on the back foot, they still manage to put our keeper under pressure pressure something we struggle to do against yeah. absolutely everyone even when we're on top we never put opposition keepers under any pressure another thing that was annoying as well Derek we also had a great opportunity from a corner and a free header by Connor Goldson which he should have be he should have had on target because he wasn't getting challenged at all and he you know he headed the ball over the bar you know a guy who is such a threat at corners and set pieces it was another great chance as well, Derek. So, you know, we, we had we, we did have a few chances, but as you say, not being able to test the goalkeeper is, you know, another frustrating part of the game. We did play better in the second half. I think a lot of that has, comes down to Ryan Jack coming back into the team. That was probably the only plus point, I think, for us was seeing the re-emergence of Ryan Jack in, in midfield because he really did take a hold of the Rangers team and, and, and galvanised it a lot better. I thought he controlled the midfield for us completely in the second half, bar a, a, a couple of incidents, but it was uh, all in all, Derek, just incredibly, incredibly disappointing, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's one word for it. I mean, just Disgraceful, that's what it was. Now, we're going to get into the fallout now because fans were quite rightly angry at it. Questions need to be asked about that performance. But I think they were aiming the questions and the anger at the wrong people. And the next game maybe kind of proven what I was kind of on about. Some of the comments for our fans were completely over the top, mainly surrounded Van Bronckhurst and claiming he should be booted out and he's never a Rangers manager. Now, 
you weren't saying that in December, were you? I mean, two things how that is utter bullshit is the fact that we've had a difficult run of games in December, we were expected to drop points and be plastered with flying colours by not losing a single game. We won them all bar drawing against Leon, which was more than what we thought we were going to get out of that. Now, we also, the second point is, the team have been ropey all season bar December. This is not a geo issue, it's an attitude from the players issue, and as I said, the Hearts game has completely proven that for me. It is an attitude issue. Now, it's been spoke about on other podcasts, it's been spoke about by players, is when you go through an incredible season like you did and you win trophies, it's almost like a complacency thing because you've, well, you've done the job. Well, sorry, you've never done the job. Every season is separate, and as I keep saying is, Last season should be seen as the exception now. It shouldn't be seen as the norm. Last season was an incredible season. We can't say it's the benchmark for the fact that you're never going to go through a season not losing any games. It's near impossible because if it was the norm, you would see it a hell of a lot more, especially in our league, given some of the draws we come up against. So I think some fans need to get that out of their heads. Last season was an exception. I mean, football is a simple game. I think sometimes people try to overcomplicate it. As I said in the post-match for the for the Celtic game, and as Gio said in his presser, we didn't do the basics of defending. It doesn't matter if we set the team up defensively or attacking. If you can't mark, you can't track, and you can't actually do the proper defending, then we're always going to come out second best. Yes, I do feel, though, and again, the players have got to take, take the blame, Derek, but Hindsight, and I know that the, the hindsight's a great thing. Maybe we should have went more defensively. Maybe we should have had two sitting mid, midfielders and, and, and an attacking midfielder. Of course, Alfredo Morelos is a massive loss to us because, let's be honest, we've spoke about Ruth loads, Derek, haven't we? And it's like the sort of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Heidi, Kamar Ruth. He's, he's not Alfredo Morelos, he's not the type of guy that you can play the ball up to and he can hold off two, two defenders to bring other players in to play. That's not the type of player he is, he's a, a finisher. I don't think that he's an out-and-out striker either. I prefer him playing just off to the right or just off to the, the, the left, a main striker. So playing root roof as well, in hindsight, and I know, again, it's one of these things, maybe not a, a great option. There's loads of things. There has to be responsibility from the, the coaching side as well, Derek, as well as the, the players. The coaching staff have got to set up a team that they think are going to go and do well. They obviously did do that, but they put out a very atta- attacking team, which we all thought on, on paper was going to be a good, you know, a good team to put out. It wasn't Thinking back now and thinking the fact that there's no you know no Rangers fans there, it was going to be incredibly hostile. Maybe they should have gone out. And knowing, as you say, that Celtic go gung-ho for the first hour of a game, maybe we should have went out to frustrate them in the first half and then bring the attacking players on. Like I said, it's all, you know, we can look back now and say that's what we should have done, this and that. A, a lot of it comes down to attitude, but I think the coaching staff do have to take their responsibility as well, Derek. I'm not saying they're blameless, I just think that was a history of instantly blaming managers when you could argue about the setup, but the <laughs> fact that the players can't do basic defending, then that's yeah, that's that's not how you set up. That's just the basics of being a footballer, not even marking players. You know, and a comment was made after the the Hibs game when we got hammered in the first half is I think it was Arfield who said that players not listening to instructions. 
a manager can only do so much when the players are not listening to instructions. Now, I don't know if that's what happened in this game, but if that has been the mindset previously in this team this season, then who's to say that's not happened again? The one thing that I'll say in Giovanni Van Bronckhurst's defence for this game, Derek, he was quick to, to make the changes. He knew the three players that, that weren't cutting it, Derek, and there was no, none of this light we've seen a lot in the past. We'll give them 10, 15 minutes into the second half. The players got axed instantly and it made a difference straight away, you know, in, in the second half. So maybe that is what has to happen, Derek. If that's true, what Arfield was saying and, and players aren't, aren't listening, then again, it's up to the management. He put that right. And if players aren't listening, you get the players out and you put in players that are going to follow instructions. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a catch to 22, Derek. But uh, as, you, as, as you were saying, it was, it was just a complete shit show and extremely disappointing for us and, uh, you know, certainly put them in pole position, which we never thought was going to happen. A few few months ago, Derek, we thought that we were going to just keep going. Regardless if we weren't playing great, we, we, we had this feeling that we were still going to keep, keep on going on and getting points. And now that's us left in that game, you know, a point behind them, which is unthinkable. Yeah. Next thing I've got to cover about the fallout here is Celtic fans. Actually beautiful. Where have you been hiding the past two years? Now, bombarded with Celtic fans' comments all over our YouTube, and I'm pretty sure we're not the only ones as well. You know, comment all you want because they get deleted straight away. You know, I have no interest in what you have to say. Bar a couple, granted, who did, I did publish their comments because they wanted to talk about football and they were actually talking about a sense and they weren't being arseholes about it. But, you know, where have you been hiding? I don't mind getting stick. It's part and parcel of it. But, I've never looked out a Celtic podcast after we've gubbed them and left comments. Apart from Justice Tim's, though, where I've always listened to that when it was published because it was absolutely comedy gold, <laughs> I've never actually went looking for one of their podcasts. I may listen to Clyde after the game if I'm making dinner, but that's the extent of it. They actually forget that YouTube has very good analytics behind it so we can easily see where they've come from to actually find us. And that's the difference. When we win, our first thought is to celebrate with our own fans. When they win, their first thought is to rub it into us. Always the inferiority complex with them. Yep. It's, it's always been the same, though, Derek. I've been, I think, as, as, as you get older and you've been watching Rangers as, as, as long as, as I have and listening to fans as long as I have, it's always been exactly the same, Derek. It's a, there's a, even in the next generation of supporters, it's maybe that the whole the whole social media aspect, we've spoke about it before, especially with their younger fans that have been through everything that, that we have. You know, they've not seen Rangers being successful up until last season. A, a lot of them taking to, to social media and gone mental about Geo and stuff like that. I think when, once you've been watching the team for a long time, you realise how bad things have been, how good things have been and, 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 and things like that. And certainly, uh, I, I wasn't... Uh, on the same bandwagon, we've got to get rid, get, get rid of Geo. I think it was maybe just a fact that, you know, him and the players, it was just a, a, a culmination of things that just went tits up that night, basically. Yeah. 
Uh, next thing here, and it's quite strange and worrying from a certain point of view, but Chris Boyd, uh, Callum McGregor was a major doubt for the, the game due to a fractured cheekbone a few games before, but of course he ended up playing, didn't he? Surprise, surprise yeah. with that yeah. one. He was, however, dressed up like the Phantom of the Opera, like yeah. with a mask on. Boyd said after the game, the fact that he managed to get through the 90 minutes without anyone testing out that face mask is another story, but his commitment to the team was tremendous. We all knew what he meant is the fact that Rangers couldn't lay a glove on yep. Celtic at all the whole game and we, we never got near them. But of course, Celtic in an ambulance chasing perma-offended ways took that as the Rangers player should have deliberately laid one on him to test out his mask. Celtic released a statement to the effect, to the effect that they're speaking to the proper channels about his comments. Ugh. Now, we've had a panellist for Hibs TV say that he wanted Morelos chopped up and he let the yep. little pieces shipped back to Colombia and fed to yep. the birds, and we didn't make as big an issue over that. The simple fact of the matter is, Boyd annoys them and he winds them up time and time again. And led by their club, Celtic and their fans, again, show their inferiority complex with us. It's utterly pathetic. It's the whole thing, Derek. It's always the victim. The victim card gets played every single time. It's a whole mentality. It's a Celtic mentality to be the victim. Even when they were on top, Derek, for all those years, they were still they they had to play the victim. I don't know what it was. It's it's been spoken about time and time again. This whole complex that they've got it's it's quite incredible. And that was the thing that got me is even when they were hammering every team and they were winning nine in a row and they were winning tre- treble trebles, they still had to play this victim card wherever they possibly could. It's quite incredible. But as you said, that's their ways. So, we'll go from what was the worst game in the last couple of years to certainly one of the best games yeah. because Sunday the 6th of February at home to Hearts in the Premiership where we won 5-0. Now, we were looking for a reaction. Certainly, we needed the result more than anything. Had we got maybe a a scraped a one or two goals, at least we would have been fairly happy with the the three points. But really, a performance was what we wanted. And by God, did we get that. We certainly did, Derek. I'll I'll let you get into it. Yes. Willie Collum was a ref, which will become a feature, (laughs) as as it always is with him. Four changes from the Celtic game. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Balligan, Bassey, Lundstrom, Jack, Aribo, Ken, uh, Arfield and Morelos. On the subs bench were McLaughlin, Barisic, Davis, Ramsey, Kamara, Sands, Ahmad, Roof, Sakala. Now, a couple of notes there. Obviously, Ramsey was on the bench. He wasn't getting a start. We all kind of knew that would happen because he's not played since November, I don't think. However, there was a lot of grumbles because we were playing Lundstrom and Jack in the same team. So two holding midfielders yep. and the fact that people were upset with Lundstrom getting a start I know Derek I must admit I was one of the people out there who questioned a few times that Lundstrom had been playing and questioned him as a player thankfully in the few times that I have questioned him he has sort of answered me back personally I haven't been one of, I haven't been, been one, of, one of the guys that go absolutely mental because he's playing I just feel that we have you know, similar type players, and especially when uh, Steven Gerrard was there, it didn't really seem to fit into the way that Rangers were playing as well. But as you say, I think because of how badly that, that we played against Celtic, I was quite happy just for there to be a, a, quite a few changes in the team so that players could come in and try and prove themselves. And he certainly did that, Derek, as you're about to get into. Yes. 
So at the first half, that's more like the Rangers we know. High tempo, high intensity, high press, fighting for every ball. And the biggest thing for me, fully committed tackles. Going yeah. in full-blooded, not timid tackling like we've seen against Celtic. And guess what? It worked for us. A few people were commenting that it was like watching, almost like watching a game from the 80s, the, the way the tackles were going in. But... We were getting the break of the ball every single time. It was fantastic to see. Quick, crisp passing, breaking well and had a number of chances and really should have been a few goals in the first half. Had to settle though for being just one goal up and that came on the 11th minute with Morella scoring. It was a stunning move starting from the middle with Jack Tabassi, a superb through ball on the left to Kent who gets into the box on the left, a stunning cross to find Morellas at the back and shoots into the net. Unbelievable. Brilliant goal, Derek. Brilliant move. And as you say, right from the off, we basically told Hearts that they weren't going to have it their own way at all. And it even went in the first minute when that, remember when the ball was played through and Alfredo Morelos basically barged his way through, managed to latch onto the ball to try and get a shot away. The Hearts defenders knew straight away right for the first minute because Morelos was playing that they were going to have a really torrid, torrid time. And as you say, we'd been unlucky a few times before, but that uh, that move and you know the play was absolutely fantastic. Ryan Kent, that is what we want to see Ryan Kent do. We want to see him running down, looking up, fantastic ball across, and there was our Colombian hitman just to slide in and slam the ball in, in, into the, the back of the net. Great for all the fans, a huge lift just to see him backing the team and scoring again. Abs- I was absolutely delighted, and it was a great goal to see Derek. Beautiful. We're having a lot of success down the left-hand side with Aribo having a chance and Kent having two as well. Both of them shot the ball just wide of the far post. At least we were getting chances, just a little more accuracy needed. I I think people were having a go at Kent. I don't think there were that easy chances, to be honest. He was just unlucky. However, with Willie Collum being the referee, controversy was never far away. And again, we lose out because inexplicably, Bassey was given a yellow card on the 27th minute for winning the ball. Yeah, exactly. The Hearts player was rolling about in agony. I think the yellow card and the foul against us was given more for the reaction of the Hearts player than the actual foul itself. It seems that 50-50s are banned in Scotland, or rather banned for Rangers, because any time that happens and the the opposition come off worse, then we are the ones that get punished for it. And as we'll get until later on, then we don't get the same back. Colin wasn't finished in the first half though, because he denied us a stonewall penalty on the 36 minute when Kent was clearly held back in the box. Short of him falling over, I'm not sure what else he could have done in that position. But as usual, Colin making the game about him. Yep, it was shocking, Derek. I think maybe if Ryan Kent had actually went over, but it showed you that he was desperate just to keep on playing. But it was as clear, clear as you can get. It looked as if it was right in front of Willie Collum as well. But as you say, absolute nothing from him. It was quite baffling. Yep. Hearts had a wee bit more pressure in the dying minutes of the half. However, bar a corner, it came to nothing. Overall, got to be happy with the first half. More of the same in the second. A little more accuracy in front of goal. And we needed to really get the early second. Uh, and basically that would put the game to bed, I would have thought. However, second half, it was a devastating performance. Despite us being on the back foot for maybe the first 15 minutes. 
Hearts had an early chance on the 46th minute when they came out the traps. A long ball floated to the back post from the left. Their attacker gets his foot to it and comes across the goal. Really dangerous. They had another chance just after that on the 48th minute. It was a long ball knocked up to a right side by them. Bassey tries to head it back to McGregor. Yeah. It was far too short, allowing their attacker to nip in and try to lob McGregor, but he put it wide. Again, really dangerous. Again, though, Bassey showing that he can't really defend that high ball. Yes, and I think maybe the only thing positive thing Derek was for Harps getting that chance it was us putting ourselves under pressure there, that that was our mistake and we got away with it, it wasn't to do with absolutely fantastic play play by Harps written through our defence, it was a hopeful ball up which Bassey basically made a backside of and we were lucky he, he, he get away with it so you can look at it both ways Bassey put his hands up straight away. He knew himself that he'd made a mistake, but we got away with it. So you can say to yourself, that was ourselves that put us into that rather than hearts, you know, causing all the problems, which I can kind of live with because we got away with it, if you know what I mean. So, you know, maybe maybe not too bad. And he's got to learn, Bassey. He is still a young player. As I say, thankfully, he got away with it. Yeah. And now at this point, the game started to get, get completely away from Column because in the 49th minute, a clear foul on Jack on the edge of the box by Benagami, who had two or three bad challenges left unpunished. I don't yep. think we even got a foul for most of them. There were several Hearts players at this point who should have been given a yellow card, but nothing was given. But Benagami did get the part of the ball but it was a shocking follow-through, even worse than the one that, that happened with Bassey, yet no foul given. Nothing at no all. No yellow cards. And today, Gio announced that uh, Jack had picked up a slight knock on his ankle because of it, and he'll miss the Hibs game. But it's expected not to be a serious one. So we're quite fortunate Thanks, there. Yes. But we're missing a massive player for us because the referee completely lost sight of the game. Had Benigami been given a yellow card early on, as he should have been given, then chances are he wouldn't have made that challenge and then Jack wouldn't have been injured. So it's all I do with referees trying to make it about themselves or just being completely inept. Next one, the 51st minute, it was a foul on Alfie. It was never a foul again showed column shocking and probably the worst one of the lot of them 53rd minute Balogun given a yellow card for winning the ball and both players were sliding and collided if yep. you actually see the replay from behind the Hearts player the Hearts player was already fallen before Balogun had even got the ball unbelievable this is the Incredible. point when I, yep. this is the point when I said column is cheating now because there's no other reason for it there's been certainly three 50-50s and two of our players have been given yellow cards, yet the probably the worst of the 50-50s, a player who should already been booked, was given nothing. Not, no yellow yeah, cards, no totally. foul. Yep, completely agree. Yep. 68th minute, Ryan Jack picks up a cleared ball and has a long shot but went well wide. And then finally, what we really needed to settle us down, we started to get a hold of the game again. And on the 63rd minute, we put the game to bed pretty much because Morelos made it 2-0. An absolute stunner. We moved the ball into the Hearts half down the right with Tavernier. Tavernier cuts it inwards to Morelos, who was in acres of space, gets to the edge of the box, tries to thread the ball through, but hits off the defender's leg, right back to Morelos, who takes it on his left foot and hits a curling effort from the edge of the box and into the back of it. What a goal. It was perfect. It really was. He was fortunate to get the ball back, but what I loved about it, Derek, was if he didn't get the ball back, it was playing... I think it was maybe Ryan Kent through to have a shot at goal, regardless, do you know what I mean? So the, the, the ball came back to him, and the way that he just took it first time, 
curled it past Craig Gordon, who had been outstanding for Hearts, I'd like to add. It curled it. There's absolutely nothing that Gordon could have done. It was tremendous. He hit it with the most, you know, power, accuracy, curl. It was just, it was a fantastic goal for Alfredo on his left foot and the perfect time for us to get the second goal because as you say, Hearts had had a couple of chances, it was time for us to come back into the game and we got just just desserts, absolutely fantastic by Alfredo, brilliant Yep, and he could have had a third a third goal as well in the 68th minute and there's a lovely through ball to him he shrugs off the defender to go one and one with the keeper who had narrowed the angle Morella shoots but it was a good save from the keeper yep. so again going into the fact that he said Gordon had, had been having a great game yeah. just after that 68th minute Jack off and Camaro and Jack had played a great part of it I don't know if that was the start of him picking up a you know a wee niggle there he came off anyway Hart's chance on the 69th minute, Mackay picks up the ball on the left, gets into our box, has a shot, good save by McGregor, rebounds back out, nearly got the ball back but eventually cleared and then the game was ultimately put to bed on the 71st minute because we went 3-0 with Kamara scoring. A lovely move on the right, starting with Kamara who passes to Morelos, Kamara makes the run, Morelos slides a great through ball back to Kamara who rounds the defender and slid it in. He could have squared it to Kent on the left but he wasn't for doing that at all. He's taken the ball on himself and has a shot past the keeper. Very composed finish and you would have been forgiven if you thought it was uh, roles reversed with Kamara and Morelos there because it's normally yeah. Kamara the, the provider and sliding great balls through like that run Morelos rounding the keeper but this was amazing from Kamara there Great stuff by Kamara and Derek what I loved because we spoke about it in the last game didn't we a player who is usually so assured and so cool calm and collected you know he didn't start the game so for him to come on it must have been great for him for his confidence and as you say that's a, a fantastic goal for him he was again like we know about him he never panicked once even when he was through with the keeper and that turn just to completely outfox both the defender and the goalkeeper from a slot away it was sheer class so brilliant and there you go Alfredo scoring two setting up one brilliant for 74th minute, it was a long shot over the bar from the edge of the box by Harps. However, a minute later, do you remember, Dave, last season we used to sp- score these trademark goals, sweeping moves all from our defence, up yep. and one touch passing all the way, and it's been completely devoid this season? Well, on the 75th minute, we basically just scored that trademark goal with Arfield. A sweeping move from the right up the park from our defence. Tavernier on the right cuts inside to Arfield, who lays it off to Kent, who has a lovely ball into the box, back to Arfield, who has a shot, saved by the keeper, but rebounded back to Arfield, who has another shot into the back of net. Outstanding. Great goal. And again, Derek, in the build-up, Alfredo Morelos. Morelos yes. to Kent. Kent into Arfield. Arfield has his shot, comes back to him and just hammers it into the net. As you say, Derek, fantastic move from our defence right up, cut hearts right in half, and clinical finishing there as well by but by Arfield. Again, you know, something that we know that Arfield can do as a goal threat, he is always willing to get in, into the box, and delighted for him as well, Derek, because he is a big fan's fa- favourite. So, you know, great stuff, and a fantastic scoreline at that point. Derek, that was, that was exactly what we were looking for. Yep. 76 minute Arfield and a rebo off Sakala and Ramsey on now Ramsey making his debut got 15 minutes and that wasn't even the biggest story of the game as well so but he got a great reception anyway and then the game was rounded out on the 84th minute with Sakala scoring to make it 5-0 a ball on the right slid into the box Sakala picks it up and passes it into the net while under quite a bit of pressure there and that's celebration Dave 
celebration hilarious Derek he's, obviously I mean that's it shows you that, that there must be a bit of camaraderie in there for him taking the piss at Alfredo by you know doing his celebration what I was go- going to say though Derek was in that move in, in that move the ball was actually meant to be for Aaron Ramsey to tap the ball into the back of the net but Sakala thought fuck that I'm getting in on the goals and he still <laughs> stepped and stole the ball away because it was just if he'd have left it and no done it Ram- Ramsey was going to get a clear a, a clear shot and goal there but Sakala was in there but we all love Sakala Derek it was great stuff and as you say his, his celebration was hilarious Yep. 86 minute Kent and Lundstrom off uh, Ahmad and Davis on 93rd minute Sakala bundled off the ball on the left side just outside the box Colm looking right at it nothing given oh, unbelievable Again. I know yep yeah. and that's how the game ended up so absolutely unbelievable performance there refereeing issues aside we, we overcame them as well we mentioned Lundstrom you know I made a comment to my to my mates and they think it's a load of rubbish but I think He's been used as a scapegoat for a poor team this season. That's my opinion. He's had a few off games, as has a lot of players. He's not been the best. He's not been the worst. He's just been part of a bad team and he's been used as a scapegoat. You don't get to the levels he got in terms of the, the EPL and playing very well, being an outstanding player that season and not having something in him. You know, Steven Gerrard never signed him because he's a bad player. Some players hit it off running some players take some time if you remember Barisic which is quite topical because he's going through a bad patch again but Barisic and you know Kent taking a wee bit to go as well Rickson you know it's had a his- the league's had a history of players taking a wee bit of time I don't think he's been as bad as everybody's made, made out Derek we signed John Lundstrom I think as being this and, and I, I am not comparing him at all to this player but we signed this player as a sort of version of George Alberts, I think. This is what the fans thought they were getting. Because going back, listening to all the Sheffield United fans out there, Lundstrom scored quite a few goals for them. He was known for getting forward and cracking shots for left, right and centre. Powerful player. It's obviously not the type of player that, that he is. But what he did show against Hearts, which I thought was excellent, was... And you used the term earlier on, it was grit and determination, that's what he'd done, and he used, I mean, he's a big guy, Derek, for being a centre midfielder, he used his strength tremendously in that game, I don't think there was a time that any of the Hearts midfielders got the better of him, either when he was attacking or when he was defending, I thought he had an excellent game without really doing anything, you know, spectacular, I actually thought him and Jack complemented each other perfectly as well in midfield, because the the two of them were a great out ball for each other without, you know, trying to beat anyone or just, you know, just trying to create space and get the ball moving. I thought probably one of the best games he's had for us, Derek, was against Hearts there on Saturday. I don't know again, though, if that was because Jack, like I've just said, Jack was in there alongside him. But certainly that's, if if he can keep going like that, Derek, if this is him, if 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 this is his springboard moment in his Rangers career, to keep going and producing performances like that, I'm sure he'll win over all the doubters, Derek, I really am I hope so So, in the league table, we've played 25, won 18, drawn 5, lost 2, scored 53, 
conceded 21, goal difference plus 32, and we're on 59 points. Rather worryingly, though, is obviously over since the, the Christmas break, that's in the case of five games, or four games rather, we've managed to, managed to drop seven points, and we're yep. now sitting in second, one behind Celtic, who, again, rather worryingly, have got nine better goal difference than us. We're 16 points ahead of Hearts, though, so when you think about how, how Hearts have fallen away, which is what always happens as well, so it's certainly going to be a massive tussle between us and Celtic you know they're on a run of form we need to really stop these silly results and and buck up our ideas I mean that was the I mean that, that's what I said when it was the Ross County game that was a four point swing that, yeah. that weekend there because Celtic got a last minute winner and Ross County scored a last minute equaliser yes. against us so that could have been a massive weekend there it, it went in our favour and it just happened. Yeah, exactly. Two teams switched off and and uh, that was a four-point swing. However, we've got several games to go. The first game being on Wednesday the 9th of February, so that'll be out tonight when this comes out. Uh, that's at home to Hibs in the Premiership. That's 1945. So, you know, Hibs really only seem to, like Aberdeen, only seem to play against us. Yes. They're again, lost at the weekend there, so no doubt they'll try their hardest against yeah. us. Saturday the 12th of February is away to Annan in the Scottish Cup Round 5. That's a 17.30 kickoff. Then we've got the big European game, which is Thursday the 17th of February, away to Dortmund. That's in the last 32. It's a 17.45 kickoff because it's the away leg. Now, I thought it was going to be 750 fans that Rangers were going to get in the stadium for it. It turned out it was only 750 fans total for yeah. for the, the stadium. However... Dortmund were rather unhappy at the local government's cap on 750 fans, quite rightly so, and they threatened to take the local government to court, and so they've managed to get their increase the Bundesliga games as well as the, the European games to 10,000. So it was announced today that we've been allocated 500 tickets. So right. not the greatest, but you can, you can understand Dortmund's point of view there. Yeah, definitely, yep. Yep. I just wish Scottish clubs had the same gumption about forcing the issue with their government as well. No, well, it's, it's funny. It, it, it never happened at a certain time, though, Derek, isn't it? But yeah. That's an argument for another day. Yes. Next game, it's Sunday the 20th of February. It's away to Dundee United. Now, bear in mind, Dundee United have beaten and drawn with us. They've uh, drawn with Celtic. They nearly drew with Celtic again there. That's, that's uh, a 12 o'clock kick-off, so that'll be another difficult game. It's away yes, to Dundee United definitely. as well. definitely, yep. Mm-hmm. Thursday the 24th of February at home to Dortmund that's the return leg so hopefully we've still got something to play play for at that time that's an 8 o'clock kickoff, and the last game to round out February Sunday the 27th of February at home to Motherwell in the Premiership that's a 1500 kickoff. so a lot of games in a very short space of time A lot of games Derek a lot of points to be had we spoke about the last set of fixtures there, didn't we? And we were very hopeful that we were going to pick up maximum points for all all of those games, Derek. It didn't work out. Here's hoping that that complacent spell has now finished and it is 100% concentration on getting maximum points for these games that we've got coming up, Derek. So we'll wait and see what happens. Yes. So we'll now go into the classic match. And then it is! So Dave, you've got a, a slightly changed from the original schedule, haven't you? Gary? It was, Derek. I, as you know, the last classic match, I did a, a European Champions League qualifying game to Famagusta and I was hoping to do the return leg, but unfortunately, 
sitting for hours and hours trying to get the actual footage to watch it back. I can't find any apart from the two goals, so I had to scrap that, unfortunately, and I found a very strange game, Derek. A very strange game from 2001 where Rangers travelled to Dens Park to take on Dundee. And it was during the Dundee Revolution when they were signing players from all over the world to play. And they had a very, very, very good team. Dick Advocat was the manager of Rangers. It was on the 24th of April 2001. And Rangers lined up that day with Stefan Kloss, Fernando Rickson, Lorenzo Amoruso, Arthur Newman, Barry Ferguson, Rod Wallace... George Alberts, Bert Conterman, Billy Dodds, Wilson and Flo on the bench. Christensen, Tugai, Perini, Miller and Fernandez. So players, Derek, a lot of players I had forgotten, the likes of Scott Wilson, Fernandez, you know, guys that you, you know you forget about. But looking back, the, the Dundee team, a lot of well-known players in the team, Langfield, Zurab, Kishnashvili, Godrardo, Coin Tweed, Artero, Gavin Reyes, we know Nimzadze, Beto, Sarah and Milne. So Gavin Ray and the team was a full international but by that point as well. So it's a Dundee year, a decent side at that point. Now, before the game, Derek, it had been the sad passing of Rangers legend Jim Baxter. So there was a minute's silence held by the supporters there, which was upheld fantastically. There was no, no problems there. But the game kicked off and Rangers really went for it to start off with and we didn't have to wait long until we actually scored the first goal and it was in the fourth minute. Gondovan, positive with that, Wallace going in at the back. There's Wallace, she's done it. Wallace opens the scoring for Rangers. Tremendous hesitation in that Dundee defence. I mean, you could sense the danger as the ball was played forward. And you can see his determination to get in behind Tweed. There may have been a bit of a dump there, but I think he was perfectly entitled to go into the shoulder for it. And he puts Rangers ahead in exactly four minutes. Fantastic start to the game. At Amaruso, he played the ball to Bert Conterman, who plays a high ball just up to the edge of the box. Rod Wallace, one of the smallest guys in the park, he's up there tussling with a big Dundee defender. The ball takes an awkward bounce for the defender. Rod Wallace managed to wrestle his way past the defender. It bounces and there's Rod Wallace on the half volley and smashes it right over the goalkeeper into the back of the net. Tremendous goal by Rod Wallace. Tremendous start from Rangers and that made it 1-0. But then... As I say, this was a bizarre game because Dundee had a fair amount of chances to get back into the game. And as soon as we scored that, the Dundee had a cross in for the right wing, low into the box, straight to Bert Conterman, who tries to pass the ball across, a, a, a short pass right in front of his goal. Don't know what he was thinking. He played it, but played it straight to the Dundee striker. He had a glorious chance. Thankfully, he hits the ball past the post. A huge let off there by Rangers. And then D Dundee again, a few, few minutes later, another great chance. This time it was Amoruso. Woeful pass to absolutely no one out for a throw-in. From that throw-in, the ball gets put into Nimzadze. He drifts past two of the Rangers defenders into the box. One-on-one -on -one with Kloss, but thankfully, straight at Stefan Kloss. Another major let-off. Dundee now putting Rangers under serious pressure. They had another chance with a free header in the box from a corner. That went over the bar. So Rangers really living dangerously, but... 
then we did what we often done under Dick Advocate. We just go straight up the park and score. And that's exactly what we did on the 16th minute. Nemsadze, easy one there that time. Ferguson. Not really linking with the front two. Flo. Not a mistake here. What can Flo make of this? He's dragging it away. He's done it. He took that very coolly. And another shocking mistake by the Dundee defence. Now, there was a lot of work to be done by the big uh, tall fellow. But you can see he's delighted with that. No wonder. He had to keep control. A little bit of slide of foot there. Still the goalkeeper there. And very coolly. But that is a touch of class by this big uh, lad who is now scoring goals regularly after getting much criticism and the delicacy and the strength of his play amply demonstrated there. Rangers now two up after 16 minutes. The ball was played up to the edge of the Dundee box. Torrey Andre Flo chases the ball. The defender makes an absolute mess of a back pass. Torrey Andre Flo, he latches on to the ball, into the box, and just calmly dinks it over the goalkeeper after turning the defender. Fantastic play by Torrey Andre Flo. This is what we thought we were going to be getting, spending all that, all, all that money on the big guy for somebody that was as tall and lanky. His uh, touch sometimes was absolutely fantastic, and that showed it as well. An absolutely fantastic goal for him. But Dundee weren't letting their heads go down. They had another chance, not long. It was a low cross, which was completely missed by everyone. Sarah runs right through, right in front of goal. He shoots, but a fantastic save by Stefan Kloss, keeping Rangers 2-0 up. Then it was Rangers again. This was even before the 25th minute. Barry Ferguson halfway out on the halfway line. He plays a ball out to Fernando Rickson on the right wing. He puts a low through ball to Rod Wallace. He goes right through, one and one, but at a tight angle, fires the shot, but a tremendous save by the goalkeeper. So still 2-0 to Rangers. But then on the 27 minutes, 2-0 became 3-0 because Rangers managed to get the third goal. Billy Dodds wriggling away clear here. German. Well, it looked as if Rangers might miss the opportunity there when the ball came off uh, Flo's head initially. But watch the way he was poised for that strike, slightly off the edge of his uh, left foot with a little bit of curl in it, and 3 0 at this stage. 27 minutes played, and surely Rangers have put this game well beyond their opponents. Billy Dodds on the right wing. Picks up the ball, he crosses the ball into the box. It was headed by Torrey Andre Flo up in the air. Rod Wallace collects it, the ball, he's back to go. He puts the ball out to George Alberts, who he sees running into the edge of the box. The ball bounces, and there's Alberts. Absolutely sensational goal on the half volley. Strikes it as sweet as you can get. Hits the back of the net. It's such venom. Low past the goalkeeper. No chance. Vintage George Alberts. A goal out of absolutely nothing. Absolutely stunning. Technique, power, accuracy. Everything that you wanted to see for a George Alberts goal. And that made it 3-0 to Rangers. Absolutely sensational stuff. Then on the 37th minute, Barry Ferguson in midfield. 
the ball out to Fernando Rickson. He plays a fantastic ball and there's the glancing header to Torrey Andrews float. We thought it was going to get head into the back of the net, but just over the bar. That was when the half-time whistle blew, Derek. The game at that stage could have easily have been 3-4, even 4-4 with the amount of clear-cut chances that they had. But into the second half, Rangers really did keep a hold of the ball and control the ball well because Dundee couldn't really make anything of, of these chances. And on the 52nd minute, Rangers really could have made it you know, be well beyond to make it 4-0. It wasn't to be because uh, Rangers on the counter-attack, flowing that uh, halfway, on the halfway line, he sees Fernando Rickson on the right wing. He crosses in, into the box. Rod Wallace completely unmarked. He comes in, skies the ball over the bar. Just a wee tap was all that was needed for him to guide it into the net, but it wasn't to be. And then George Alberts, about 10 minutes after that, just outside the box, a slide pass to Fernando Rickson. He dinks inside two defenders, has a fantastic shot, but unfortunately straight at the goalkeeper. Really unlucky there by Rickson. Then Barry Ferguson goes off as a substitute. Two guy comes on. Rangers with another chance. George Alberts with a long distance half volley again after being laid off by Rod Wallace but unfortunately again straight at, at the goalkeeper, really un- unlucky for there, the pace dropped Rangers were keep keeping a hold of the ball in the last sort of main chance for Rangers on the 80th minute, a fantastic move, pass from one side to the other and it was uh, st- started off by Wilson over to uh, Arthur Newman, through ball to George Alberts he runs through, really should have scored, but unfortunately slices the ball over the bar. And that was how the game panned out, Derek. Quite a frantic and ferocious first half, which could have, could have been goals galore. But Rangers doing then what I think we've been hoping that, that Rangers would do, that regardless of the amount of chances that other team had, we were still finding ways to go out and score goals and win. Some fantastic goals to go back and watch. So go back and look at it. Just even to see George, George Albert's third goal, it was absolutely fantastic. And surely you can remember that game, Derek. Vaguely, but I was just more stunned right at the start of when you you done this is the fact that you spent hours and hours on something there. What do you mean, sorry? You said you spent hours and hours looking for the, the Famagusta game. <laughs> I did, believe it or not. I was bloody, it took ages and then I had to give up, Derek, so uh-huh. there you go. See, I do I, I do actually put some work in, into this podcast, Derek. <laughs> on Cheeky occasion, bastard. Yes. Cheeky bastard. <laughs> yes, what a game that was, and as you said, could have been four each and uh, quite easily, but that was the the genius of some of our advocates' yeah. teams. Is you know we we had that quality that could just yep. up the park and score. Exactly. So Dave will be back with another classic match next episode, which hopefully will be next week. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go now into the news. So, in the news, this this episode we've only got a few things. Hellander has been removed from the Europa League squad. Makes sense if he's, even if he's fit, which I think he's coming back, maybe on the bench for this weekend. Uh, he'll certainly not be match fit by the time the Dortmund game comes around. So, I think at every round you can add or subtract players. So, uh, we'll see if we get through the next round to yeah. see features. I, re- I, I really hope he is on the bench, Derek, because I think he'll be a massive addition as soon as he's back fit for the team, I think that we just look so, so much more assured at the back when Hollander's playing. I've got absolutely no doubts at all 
in my mind, he's by far our best central defender, and we've missed him big time. So I'm really pleased that you've said that, that there's a chance that he could be on the bench for the next game. That's brilliant news. Yeah. Hadji has been removed for obvious injury reasons, as well as Patterson and Bakuna, because obviously they're away. And yeah. Itten has been left out as well, which is quite strange. However, Ramsey, Ahmad and Sands have all been added, so, uh, so hopefully they'll get yeah. some minutes in, in Europe. Yep. Next thing here is Murdo Fraser has lodged a motion in Parliament to mark our 150th anniversary, as well as putting for being the second most successful club in the world. Now, I hadn't realised this, but we've apparently been overtaken by Egyptian side Al Ali, Al Ali, who have had 118 major trophies compared to our 115. So, you know, obviously a, a one-side league then, isn't it? So, believe it or not, Derek, I happen to have an inside scoop on Egyptian football. And the reason that I do is because I am friendly with uh, one a parent in my son's f- football team who has uh, who is Egyptian and is an ex professional footballer oh. in the Egyptian league. So he was ab- able to tell me a lot about Egyptian football. And there is actually two big clubs that is very similar to Scottish football in that way. You've got Al Ali and you've got Zamalek who are the Rangers and Celtic, if you know, as it be, of that league. He speaks about the Egyptian football as being at a very high standard. So I don't know about that, but certainly going by the way you've said, but there is sort of two big teams in Egyptian football. So there you go, Derek. I'm teaching you something new every day. Don't, oh, ask, me any, don't ask me anything else about them, but that's, that's the sort of two main teams in Egypt. Oh, well. Every day's a school day. Exactly. Yeah, so we've got a few trophies to win to, to try and reclaim that title anyway. Yeah, so, 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 we're, so basically we're cheering on Zamalek for now on, Derek. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Well, I think we've got had, had links to them at one point because I'm sure Alex McLeish managed them, if I, if I remember right. Ah, so. you know, I can't think myself. But who, who am I to question you, you Derek? Who, who am I? So we're, we're, me and Dave are officially starting the Zamalek RSC. <laughs> Uh, next one here is I think we've spoke about on the last two podcasts as well because he's just like a bad smell that won't go away David Greer has brought a complaint against the sheriff who granted an unlawful warrant into the Rangers investigation into himself to be investigated over alleged bias as he the sheriff is an apparent Rangers fan I find this whole thing hard to believe to be honest because what he's implying here is that the sheriff just wanted someone or anyone to pin the whole thing on because of what he done or, or what they allegedly done to our club. But sorry, that doesn't add up to me because since I'm a Rangers fan, I don't want just anyone pinned up against the jail cell for this. I want the people to blame. So as a Rangers fan, I would find it very hard to believe he just wanted to go after anyone even if they're guilty or not guilty. Yeah, no, exactly, Derek. I think you've hit the nail right in the head there. Again, it's something that we're going to be hearing about this for years to come, I'm afraid. It just never seems to be ended, does it? There's always seems to be somebody that sort of pops up from that time. It's getting tiresome now as well. What's annoying for me is that we don't seem to be getting the answers that we're looking for, are we? And it just it seems to be going on and on and on. And, you know, we just want to find out exactly what happened. And it just it, it, there seems to be so so many other sort of sidetracks going here, there and everywhere that we don't actually get to hear exactly what, what went on, do we? No. 
So we'll see what happens of yeah. that. There's obviously still other things with the BBC yep. uh, thing that we said last time, rumbling on. So we'll see. However, next thing is there's going to be a new documentary about Gaza featuring never before seen behind the scenes footage of him at Rangers and at home. Always great to see good stuff about Gaza. Fantastic to see him doing so well, as I think it was touch and go with him for a bit. Uh, it's still something you need to pinch yourself over is the fact that we signed him, isn't it? It certainly is, Derek, and I really hope, you know, as, as you say, the, the documentary coming out, because any time I've seen any documentaries about Gaza, it's usually been done by sort of English f- f- uh, filmmakers, and they really don't want to discuss his time at Rangers at all. It's all about his time at Tottenham, all about his time playing for England, all about his time at Lazio, and nothing about Rangers at all. So I really hope there's a lot of footage about when he did play for us, because at the end of the day, he said it himself, Derek, that was when he had his, you know, he played his best football was when he was playing for us. That's when he was winning, winning things and playing in Europe and stuff like that. So I really hope it's it's mostly about you know his time at Rangers, and I'll certainly I'll certainly enjoy it. Yep, absolutely. Next thing here is the Prince of Denmark was in hospital for a hip replacement. Yes. Age 52, he hung up his boots 20 years ago. I can't believe he retired at 32. <laughs> uh, so all went well, apparently. So wish him a speedy recovery from that. I mean, even though he was lying in a hospital bed, he still looked as if he could play football for us. He's a handsome bastard. So, so, so he is. And I saw a fantastic uh, tweet by someone who says that Rangers should get his hip and it should go in the trophy room at Ibrox. So. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so there uh, you go. It's no Gunter von Hagen's autopsy, you know, we're, we're doing this museum <laughs> for its Rangers stuff. But, uh. Anyway, a couple of non-Rangers related stories here is... Hearts plan to launch a B team to take us and Celtic on in the lower leagues if the SPFL continue without a lower, without a reserve league. Uh, d- development of younger players is essential for Scottish football, and they have said that if the reserve league doesn't get reinstated, then the jump from the under 18s to the first team is is too big. Which, yep. to be honest, I think is absolutely true. And yeah. I don't know what the. It was always only meant to be Rangers and Celtic for a season and as an experiment, and then there would be certainly talks about it if it worked or not. It's, it's certainly worked out well from us, our point of view, because you've seen some of the youngsters getting getting a game um, for the first team. Not as many as we, we would have liked to do, but I think that was largely down to to Gerard and his refusal to play them. Sometimes yeah. different story under Geo though, because Dave Voss was part of the Ajax model yes. as well, so. It's all there to play for if you're a youngster. Derek, we, we spoke about it, not not even just for player development, but for Scottish football as a whole. These clubs in the Lowland League are getting big crowds coming to their games when Rangers and Celtic are playing because there's a lot of pe- people will go and, and, and cheer it on because they're Rangers and Celtic. If Hearts do, do the same, if Hearts can, you know, take a couple, you know, a, a, a thousand supporters to go to a B, a, a B league game, that's a huge boost for, you know, these clubs as well. So the the, the Lowland Leaguers, you know, the the, the the clubs are going to be delighted with the amount of money that's came through just for you know supporters cu- coming through the gates. So, you know, apart from the the player development, that's a huge thing as well. 
Yeah, I mean, just on that as well, going back to the player development part of it, if you're getting more players coming in, you're getting more player, young, homegrown players, which, you know, is part of a European initiative, is that we've got to have a certain amount of homegrown players in our European squad as well. That benefits that, but as well, it'll benefit the national team, which if you're getting regularly qualifying for the tournaments, you're getting more exposure, more sponsorship money, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, which given what's been announced over the last couple of days is there's going to be a joint bid for Euro 20. 28 I think it is yes. between all the U- UK and Ireland nations yeah, and they're now talking about expanding and, and redeveloping Hamden well you need money for that we, yeah. we know the SFA haven't got money so what's the best way to do that continually to qualify for these tournaments get better players in Europe it means you have money it means you've got you know money to redevelop stadiums so it's a win-win in every way you look Definitely, at it for yeah me. yep mm-hmm. yeah Next thing here is Slavia Prague president has stated that they have spent £500,000 on lawyer fees defending Cadella and his claims that he's not a racist. They're expecting to hear if the criminal charge brought by Police Scotland will be going to court in the next two weeks. Uh, it may be a few months yet before they hear the court of arbitration uh, has appeal on his ban for that because apparently they want to hear directly from Kamara in relation to it. So... It just shows you they're backing them to the hilt for being an absolute racist scumbag. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the criminal case there. I wouldn't hold my breath, Derek, to be perfectly honest with you. We, we, we know everything that's happened. It's, you know, absolutely staggering the lengths that, that they're going to. There's no condemnation. of uh, it's, just, it's just shocking, Derek. We, we, we knew exactly what went on. And as you say, for the amount of money that they're paying still to defend that man, is, is quite incredible. Yeah. So, impotent man's partner accidentally sprays insulation foam inside penis during sex. <laughs> okay. An impotent man ended up with insulation foam inside his penis and bladder after sex act went badly wrong. The unnamed 45-year-old, no one is unnamed with this one, from the US had been inserting objects into his urethra <laughs> as an aid for dis- dis- erectile dysfunction. And his partner had the idea of slotting in the straw attached to a can of insulating foam. <laughs> Disastrously, they inadvertently <laughs> pressed the button, shooting the foam up into his penis. According to urology case reports, the man didn't go to hospital until three weeks later oh. as the pain was increasing and he was dif- had difficulty urinating. A CT scan showed a hardened mass of foam in his bladder measuring 10 by 4 by 6 centimetres and more inside his penis measuring 16 millimetres in width. Doctors were able to remove the foam from his bladder by creating an opening in the wall of the organ. But oh the penis my foam- God! But the penis foam proved more problematic. Medics attempted to pull the foam out of the urethra. However, he had urethral stricture disease, whereby the passage becomes scarred and the narrow portions of his urethra anchored the spray foam in place. (laughs) Surgeons were ultimately forced to perform a perineal urethrostomy, I don't even know what that is, to create a new opening between the scrotum and the anus to remove the remaining fragments. Following the operation, three tubes were inserted to help him pass urine until his urethra is repaired, though this will only happen after he passes a psychiatric assessment. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, basically, he could, he could get a, he couldn't, 
stay hard so they thought that they would spray insulation foam <laughs> in the side so that everything expanded and stayed hard. A, is, is that my understanding, Derek? Well, yes, but I don't think it was intentional, allegedly, according to the according to the, the, the reports. But even, I, even although they put the straw inside it, <laughs> oh my word! It's the guy. I take it the guy's never heard the Viagra, Derek. I'm guessing not. No. Oh my god! Quite incredible. I'm sure there was an episode of Rab C Nisbet where James A. bought Rab C a can of what was called Stay Hard and it was basically for that. <laughs> <laughs> and you just sprayed it on your parts. You never inserted it in. Oh, my God. oh unbelievable. But on oh, that note, we shall yes, end the podcast. Definitely. So as ever, if you want to check us out, you can go to all the usual podcast outlets as well as the social media on Facebook and Twitter. You can also go to our website, which I've still to update. I'll probably never get around to updating it these days. But that's at iReadyPodcast.wordpress.com. So Dave, a lot of important games to come up as ever. We just need to play like we did against Hearts, show the fire that we, we've shown against Hearts, and then I'm sure we'll come out on top. Definitely, Derek. I hope so. I hope we get to see a bit more of Aaron Ramsey. I think with Jack being out, you might find that, that, that Ramsey will be, will, will, will be in the team for there. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens, Derek. Just as long as we're not complacent and you know we try to be as professional as possible, I'm sure we'll do well. So fingers crossed. Yes. So thanks for listening and goodbye. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. Stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Manchester, place yourself.